coming to you from a cozy little condo high atop old Fort Ward, Atlanta. Welcome, Welcome to The Ron Show on America One Radio. Here's your host, Ron Roberts. All right, and a happy, what is today? Hump day. Sorry, I had Monday off, and so I kind of don't know what day of the week it is until I stop to remind myself. Anyway, happy Wednesday to you, or if you listen on the replay Thursday morning on America One Radio, fine. It's still Wednesday to me right now. Uh, anyway, thanks for joining us uh, today, day one of the special session called to order by Governor Brian Kemp to deal with a federal judge's order to redraw state Senate and federal congressional and House district maps. And Georgia Republicans put out some new maps on Monday, kind of floated them, and naturally, just about everybody who knows anything ab- about uh, drawing maps and reading a judicial decision panned those maps right away. Uh, joining us to discuss that later in the show is Georgia NAACP Chapter President Gerald Griggs. He will join us to discuss those maps. I'm going to let you eavesdrop in on some of the more poignant conversations being had inside the Georgia Senate chamber and later on in a subcommittee hearing from earlier today. Oh, oh, oh. and Senator Colton Moore came in with the clown hat on. And uh, it's uh, ironic. He represents the Northwest Georgia part of the state. Marjorie Taylor Greene also represents Northwest Georgia in the House of Representatives. And they were both putting on their circus acts today in different chambers. So we'll we'll address that in the last part of the show. All right. So right off the bat, there were some uh, discussion on the Senate floor as there were on the House floor earlier. I don't have audio of that, unfortunately. Uh, and we will start with Senator Kim Jackson. Friends, as you know, the reason why we have gathered today at great additional taxpayer expense is because when the General Assembly met in 2021, Republicans, my colleagues, passed legislative and congressional maps that discriminated against black voters. In that special session, we, We Democrats, we pleaded with Republicans to acknowledge that all of the growth in Georgia's population over the preceding decade had been driven by residents of color and to have new maps that reflected that reality. Unfortunately, our pleas were ignored. Democratic proposed maps for fair maps that complied with the Voting Rights Act, they were flat out rejected, didn't even get to the floor. Mm-hmm. Instead, in 2021, Republicans passed maps that sought to cement political power from the coming decade at the expense of minority voters. You don't have to take my word for it, a federal judge in a comprehensive 516-page order, found that the state legislative and congressional maps passed in 2021 each violated Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act by diluting the power of black voters and not providing black voters with the opportunity, equal opportunity, to elect the candidates of their own choice. The court even told us exactly where the problems are. They lined out the districts. It's District 10, 16, 17, 25, 28, 30, 34, 35, 43, and 44. These are the specific districts that the enacted plan violate when it comes to the Voting Rights Act. 
and the court gave us a remedy. They ordered that we create two additional majority black maps, black, majority black districts in South Metro Atlanta. But unfortunately, the Republican proposed maps, they failed to do what the judge ordered and they failed once again to comply with the Voting Rights Act by continuing to dilute the power of black voters. For those of you who are younger, you know this, TLDR, too long didn't read. <laughs> Put simply, we tried to tell you in 2021, <laughs> and we're telling you now, the maps that the Republicans have proposed dilute the power of black voters once again, and the Democratic caucus maps, where our maps give black voters and black Georgians the voice that they deserve in the voting booth. We told you, and we're telling you now again. Senator Kim Jackson followed just a few minutes later by the newly married Nabila Islam Park, who chimed in from the well. Thank you, Mr. President. The right to vote is the most fundamental right that exists in any democracy. It is the power at the very heart of our system of government. Since Reconstruction, millions of black Americans have fought tirelessly to exercise and protect their right to vote as members of their government have dreamt up nefarious ways of preventing them from exercising that fundamental right. That is especially true here in Georgia. In our state, there is a long and painful history of people being harassed, beaten, and sometimes killed for trying to exercise their right. In recent decades, since the passage of the Voting Rights Act, we have made tremendous strides to cast off that shameful legacy of racism and voter suppression. However, my colleagues on the other side of the aisle introduced a proposal for new Senate district maps that once again confirmed that the shameful legacy of voter suppression is alive and well in Georgia. Despite being ordered by a federal judge to create fair maps to increase political opportunities of the black majority areas surrounding Atlanta, my Republican colleagues chose to play shell game with black voters. Essentially, the new proposal does nothing to improve the voting power of black voters in the areas in which the court found voting, the Voting Rights Act violations. To mask this failure, the Republican proposal consolidates black voters in the core of Metro Atlanta where the court did not find any existing voting rights violations. But this does not comply with the court's order. Rather, it ignores the court's finding on the dilution of black voting power. The racial discrimination still exists. These proposed maps violate the judge's order and should be discarded in favor of maps, the Senate Democratic maps, that allow for better black representat representation and help us move away from the legacy of Jim Crow. We cannot continue to repeat the sin of the past. Thank you. A few minutes later, Senator Gail Davenport. Thank you, Mr. President. Good morning, colleagues. Uh, I rise today just to speak briefly about the redistricting. Uh, we passed maps in 2021, and the court came back and said that those maps violated Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act. And those maps still dilute black voting strength. The court was real specific in saying that 
this Georgia State Senate must draw two additional majority black districts in South Metro area. And then this week, the Republicans sent over a map that did the opposite. We still dilute the black vote. It said draw two majority black districts, South Metro Atlanta. But instead, the Republican map chops up Senate District 44. Not only 44, but 34, 35, 10, and others. That's wrong. The other thing you did was just change the names. For example, the 44th now will be the 17th. I happen to represent people in the 44th. These are unfair maps. They can, uh, uh, over 100,000 people will not be able to uh, elect the candidate of choice. You plan with these numbers. I'm not so worried about my district, but what about the others? The court said provide two additional majority black votes, black districts in South Metro area. So we need to do that. I guess you all thought that we would sit by and say nothing. Mm -hmm. But those of us who are black here know why we were sent here, know that much blood was shed for our right to vote and for black people to be represented. So we need to stop playing with these numbers and keep these numbers intact and stop diluting the black vote, diluting the black vote. Thank you very much, Mr. President. I yield the well. Obviously, uh, her district among those that uh, had been targeted for some carving up to accommodate in a flimsy and loose sort of fashion, uh, another majority black district of the two that... Uh, Senate district that the uh, judge's order called for. Now, on the House side, uh, John Burns, uh, the chamber's number one Republican, seemed confident that their new map will pass the court scrutiny. Uh, Democrats, mm -hmm. Mary Margaret Oliver from Decatur said, I'm used to reapportionment being a very mean process that eliminates a lot of good people. Once again, we see districts that geographically make little sense except that they serve some political interest and could, in some areas, increase black voting strength. Some notes on that new House map, uh, as were spelled out in today's Politics Georgia blog at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Uh, eight lawmakers drawn into the same district with colleagues from their own party under the proposed map, six of them Democrats, two Republicans. Two new majority black districts would be created in South Metro Atlanta, another in Douglas County, and another in Macon. A fifth would encompass an area from Macon to Milledgeville, and it's the only of the five new districts held by an incumbent Republican, Ken Vance of Milledgeville. Among the rising Democrats targeted by Representative Sam, our Representative Sam Park, a party leader from Lawrenceville, who would be paired against Representative Greg Kennard, also a Lawrenceville resident and one of the few white Democrats in the chamber. Representative Syra Draper, a voting rights expert who holds Stacey Abrams' former seat in Atlanta, was lumped in with Representative Becky Evans, also of Atlanta. 
and Representative Terry Nolwitz, who've been on the show before, uh, of Smyrna, could face Representative Doug Stoner, also of Smyrna, in a Cobb-based seat. The two Republicans drawn together, State Representatives Beth Camp of Concord and David Knight of Griffin, say they'll begrudgingly agree to the map. Speculation is one of them will retire rather than run for another term. Well, isn't that just convenient? Uh, the last note here, insiders say a newly drawn Milledgeville-based district could set the stage for a run by Democrat Quentin Howell, a plaintiff in the lawsuit that challenged Georgia's political maps and led to the court-ordered redo. Howell lost the 2020 bid for a House seat. He would challenge Vance, who lives in a redrawn district that would have a narrow black majority. We have some more audio from the Senate subcommittee that met today with some voting rights experts who all lined up to have their say with that subcommittee. When the Ron Show returns, plus Georgia NAACP chapter president Gerald Griggs weighs in. Later on the show, The Ron Show, the America One radio app, AmericaOneRadio.com, or wherever you podcast. So, welcome back to The Ron Show. Thank you for listening, whether it's on the America One radio app, AmericaOneRadio.com, or wherever you podcast. Uh, joining me in the second half of the show for a conversation, uh, much ado about Georgia's redistricting situation mandated by a federal court judge, and then the subsequent reveal of some GOP maps from earlier this week that are largely panned by voting rights advocates and uh, those who know what they know about the law and interpretation of judicial edicts. Suffice to say, those maps aren't uh, being well-received. Uh, nonetheless, special session did begin in the Georgia General Assembly today, both chambers tackling their respective maps, and got some audio today from the Senate subcommittee that started listening to some experts on the task before them to redraw the state Senate maps. And before we dive into this audio, I it, it just occurred to me while putting this show together today that we literally just got the Major League Baseball All-Star game that was taken from this state a few years ago, coming back to Atlanta in 2025, and now you've got the Georgia GOP again trying to dilute the power of the black vote, even when mandated by law. The Law and Order Party, remember them? The Rule of Law Party. (laughs) By the way, Colton Moore, can't wait to... uh, Get to that in the last segment. Uh, anyway, the Law and Order Party, the Rule of Law Party, and we just got the Major League Baseball All-Star game back. And what happens if Major League Baseball again decides, oh, these maps, y'all, you guys are st- you're still doing this? And they take it somewhere else. Oh, the hell that they will rain down on who? Rob Manford? They'll blame anybody but themselves. Okay, that's, anyway... Little sidebar. Uh, first up, and and uh, by the way, I'm struck by the diaspora of uh, those who weighed in today in the Senate subcommittee hearing. These were not all black voters or black voting advocates. They were just advocates for fair maps and for voting rights. First up, Daniel Garcia from the Galeo Impact Fund. I'm David Garcia. I work for an advocacy organization named Galeo Impact Fund and we advocate for the Hispanic community throughout Georgia. I'm here today because the proposed Senate plan fails to adequately remedy the substantive and procedural failings of the last maps. Uh, One district is particularly concerning, Senate District 6. In the prior Senate District 6, voters of color, including Latinx voters, 
band together with some white voters to elect Senator Jason Estevez, a Latinx candidate. In the proposed map, even though Senate District 6 was not implicated in any way by Judge Jones's decision, the legislature cracked the district, increasing the white voting age population from approximately 56% to approximately 72%, <laughs> and ensuring that voters of color can no longer elect candidates of choice. Mm. The targeting of Senator Jason Estevez is emblematic of, emblematic of the legislature targeting legislators of color a continuation of what the legislature did to Michelle Al and Lucy McBath during the 2020 process. That's right. Senator Estevez was a public school teacher and was the first Latinx candidate elected to the school board in Georgia. He was only sworn in as a state senator for Senate District 6 in January 2023, less than a year ago, and the legislature has already drawn him out of his district. Additionally, the legislature did not seek adequate input from the affected communities and provided the draft Senate maps only 48 hours before the opportunity to comment. This is a continuation of practices and lack of transparency that, previ that previously led the legislature to enact legally deficient maps. The Senate and House committees are apparently also holding hearings at the same time, further making it more difficult for Georgians to comment. Right. Thank you. So this is where I, I keep going back and thinking to myself, I don't understand how it is Republican candidates gain any traction with voters of color. And I don't understand how the Democratic Party loses favor with voters of color when it's so clear that there's one party that's looking to dilute the voice of voters of color any chance they're given. I mean, you hear that, oh, look who's playing the race. Well, look who is playing the race card. Look who's literally playing the race card here. Good afternoon. My name is Dr. Yashonda Jones. I'm a community, community advocate in the Griffin Spalding County area. And today I stand before you to address the need for fair redistricting, particularly where I live in Senate District 16, which was found to be a violation of the Voting Rights Act, but remains unchanged. We must confront the stark reality that black citizens, a vital and integral part of our community, have often been marginalized in the political process. Our maps must reflect the true voices of the people. Fair redistricting is not a political issue. It's a matter of justice and representation. The lines on the map should not be manipulated to favor one party. Rather, they should be drawn to ensure that every citizen's vote carries equal weight. In the pursuit of fair representation, we must prioritize our communities over political calculations. That begins with creating districts that mirror the diverse makeup of the population in our state. By doing so, we empower citizens to elect leaders who genuinely understand and advocate for their needs. It is our collective responsibility as citizens to champion transparency in the redistricting process. We are asking you to ensure that the lines, uh, lines drawn on these maps are a reflection of the people's will, not the interests of a select few. We demand accountability and openness in this crucial aspect of our democratic foundation. Fair representation is not a luxury. It is a fundamental right. Senate District 16 and others must be drawn with equity in mind, ensuring that black citizens have a meaningful voice in shaping the future of our communities. Denying any group fair representation undermines the principles we hold dear, principles that advocate for justice and equal opportunity for all. By drawing districts fairly, we bridge historical divides that have silenced black voices for far too long. It is an opportunity to rectify the imbalances of the past. 
empowering black citizens to elect representatives who truly understand and champion their unique needs, concerns, and aspirations. To make any decision otherwise, or to create any maps that do not have the goal of the parameters above, would surely deem this body to be morally bankrupt in the eyes of the citizens of Georgia. Mm. Thank you. And listen, there was a bank of advocates for voting rights that were black, that were white, that were Hispanic. Uh, I believe I even saw an Asian American. I mean, it, it's just <laughs> folks speaking up for doing what's right in the face of a GOP-led majority in the Senate at the Georgia General Assembly. And the same thing is happening on the House as well. Just doing what's right. And insisting that the GOP do what's right is to drag them kicking and screaming in the direction of righteousness. Gerald Griggs, Georgia NAACP chapter president, joins us when we return in minutes to discuss this and a few other topics as well. On The Ron Show, the America One Radio app, AmericaOneRadio.com, wherever you podcast. Archived audio, blogs, social media links, and more, all in one place. Log on at ronshowatl.com. The Ron Show on America One Radio. Well, I'm honored to have the Georgia NAACP chapter president, newly re-elected chapter president, Gerald Griggs joins us. Gerald, how are you, sir? I'm doing great, Ron. How are you doing, man? Good to, good to talk with you. Good. Same here. Every time I see your name, I always think of the great... Atlanta Falcons running back, Gerald Riggs. Do you get that often? You hear that uh, very often? I do hear that very often. I was unfortunately not as good a running back as he was <laughs> or his son. So I, I didn't get to go to Tennessee, nor did I get to play for uh, the Atlanta Falcons. Wow, nice pull. Yeah, his son's a good player too. Yeah, I forgot yes. about that. But boy, when Gerald had the ball, you either you either tackled him low or you got out of his way because you were walking away with a concussion. Uh, you were definitely walking away with a concussion. <laughs> he was a heck of a runner. Anyway, thanks for joining us. I, I wanted to talk with you a little bit about some of the redistricting news. We know we're in special session today. We've played some of the audio from uh, both the Senate floor and the uh, subcommittee hearing some impassioned pleas from folks, a diaspora uh, amongst the uh, Georgia community, uh, whether it be white, black, brown, all in between, uh, trying to implore the Senate subcommittee to do what is right while they are in special session. And despite that, we saw a sneak peek of what the Georgia Senate is, uh, Senate GOP leaders are looking to do with the map. And it just looks like they're going to come back with uh, another judicial smite. What were your thoughts when you saw the map first? You know, my thoughts are they didn't learn from Alabama. Mm. Um, Federal court was quite clear in Judge Jones's order what they needed to do. And, you know, the senators uh, on the uh, Republican side just don't want to listen to a, a you know a duly appointed federal judge. So I think that if they continue down this path, um, they will get another ruling from Judge Jones. And you know, and my warning to them is, you know, the Alpha Phi Alpha uh, Six District AME uh, challenge was not the only challenge. Mm-hmm. The Georgia State Conference sued as well, and our case has stayed. And so uh, I think that they would be wise not to waste taxpayer money on more legal fees and do what's right. So if you will, help me explain with the audience exactly what it is that they did, because on the surface, they make the case, well, we did create the majority black districts that the judge's ruling asked for, but it was almost like robbing from one to get to another, wasn't it? Yes. And so, you know, the judge was quite clear. Uh, He wanted to strengthen African-American voting power, uh, not to dilute it. And Mm -hmm. what 
the maps appear to do is to continue that dilution. What they're saying is, OK, we'll go into predominantly Democrat uh, districts and redraw the lines while strengthening our own um, power. And of course, you know, the NAACP is nonpartisan. We're not interested mm -hmm. in, you know, impacting Democrats or impacting Republicans. We're we're focused on strengthening black voting power. And so there should have been districts drawn regardless of the partisan line that did exactly what uh, Judge Jones ordered. And yet when you think about it, and, and you don't have to speak to this because th this, this, is my, this is my part of the show where, where I, I say, you, you think about this, and if Republicans want to make headway with the African-American voter, this is not the way to go about it. it it's, it, you can run Tim Scott for president all you want or, or, or reelect him to a Senate seat all you want, but when you, you keep fiddling around with the average American voter of color and try to dilute their power to vote, I just fail to see where it makes headway with the party platform for the voter of color. You know, it doesn't. And, you know, my advice to the individuals that are on either side of the aisle, you need to focus on the issues that affect black people and you may sway them to your side. Mm. But, you know, suppressing their voice, suppressing their vote only shows them that your policies are not productive to them. Black people care a lot about voting rights. We cared about voting rights and since we got here. Mm. And so we've been fighting for those voting rights. And we're successful in getting the pass of the Voting Rights Act. And now you're trying to flout the Voting Rights Act. So I think Georgia has it backwards. That's why we sued them. Uh, and that's why we continue to sue them. And I think that, you know, for that party, and again, we're nonpartisan. We're only interested in strengthening African-American voting power and the voting power of other minorities. You need to listen to their voices. And I, I heard the calls. I've watched the comments. People are clear. Draw the districts the way the judge ordered them drawn and stop playing partisan politics. Georgia NAACP Chapter President Gerald Griggs joining us on The Ron Show. It was nine days ago that the Eighth Circuit Federal Court of Appeals ruled that private plaintiffs cannot sue under Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act. I was wondering if you had some thoughts on that. Uh, my, my thoughts are, you know, the Eighth District got it wrong. Um, that was the uh, state conference of, of Arkansas's uh, uh, voting rights case that they ruled. And then, of course, the Eighth uh, circuit decided that there's no private right of action under Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act. So I think this will go up to the Supreme Court because the Alabama case, the Milligan case, is clear that there's a right of cause of action. In the 11th Circuit, there are cases that are clear there's a right, private right of cause of action. You know, three-fourths of the voting rights cases that are brought mm. under Section 2 are brought by private groups or private individuals. So I think that this will be overturned. But again, it's it's a sign that voting rights are under direct attack and, and that it's time for the Supreme Court once and for all to rule uh, that the Voting Rights Act, especially Section 2, is still good law. And I think they will. They just did last year in the Alabama redistricting case, which opened the floodgates to all of these special sessions. We're with uh, Georgia NAACP Chapter President Gerald Griggs, newly reelected, ready for another term, uh, still for, uh, some uh, tread still fresh on the tire there. So uh, I wanted to ask you, are you, well, you, you spoke about being in a nonpartisan role. Are you pleasantly surprised that the U.S. Supreme Court has acted in the way they have in these recent cases? No, because I think their jurisprudence on the issue of voting rights has been clear for decades. Mm. And so, you know, regardless if you're a conservative or, um, you know, a liberal justice, you got to follow the law and the law is clear. 
There's a private call, right of action. The Congress has acted by passing the Voting Rights Act. And so it's time for states to recognize that even though Section 5, the preclearance uh, has been gutted and they need to change the calculus there, um, that Section 2, after you violated somebody's voting rights, is actionable. And see, here's the, here's the thing that you know, conservatives need to be, be, be careful on. Mm -hmm. Black people show up to vote when their voting rights are attacked. Mm. And if you're just simply going to follow the logic of the Eighth Circuit, that only the Department of Justice um, will have the cause of action, Black people will just show up and vote for a party who will weaponize the Department of Justice. So you're really going to be robbing Peter to pay Paul, and you're showing that you are the party of the Dixiecrats, you are the party of Bull Connor, you are the party of George Wallace, who stood at the courthouse doors and said segregation to the schoolhouse doors and said segregation day, segregation tomorrow, segregation forever. Well, that also meant no voting rights. That was the whole reason why they marched across the Edmund Pettus Bridge. So you're hearkening a new generation to remember the work of the old generation and to reintegrate that into their calling card. So when you try to take a right away from black people, they typically get upset about that and they become one issue voters. It's, voting rights is that one issue. Yeah, I, I keep watching as Republicans keep catching the car. Uh, they're, they're, they're like the dog that catches the car uh, on occasion, and uh, that happened with women's reproductive rights, mm -hmm. and, and now they seem to be stepping into it when it comes for uh, voting rights as well. Well, Gerald Griggs may not be able to run a football, but he certainly knows his law and he certainly knows his history. But I do want to ask you one sports question before we go. So Major League Baseball and Commissioner Rob Manford announced earlier this month that Atlanta will be hosting the Major League baseball all-star game after taking it away just a few years ago in reaction to the state passing SB 202 deemed a voter suppression law back then. Your thoughts on that news coming out of Major League Baseball camp? My thoughts are the Atlanta Braves and Major League Baseball on the wrong side of history. And it, it was so fitting that right after they made that decision to bring the all-star game back, the 8th District issued their ruling. Mm. So again, voting rights are clearly under direct attack SB 202 is a voter suppression bill and Major League Baseball is on the wrong side of this. So I think Jackie Robinson would be really disappointed mm -hmm. in Atlanta hosting um, the All-Star game when Atlanta and Georgia are ground zero for voter suppression. And so I hope that, you know, uh, Commissioner Manford and the owners of the Braves will, you know, get in touch with the Georgia NAACP or get in touch with the national NAACP and determine that civil rights are still a strong issue uh, for America. Civil rights are a strong issue in Georgia, mm. and they don't want to be on the wrong side of this. We can have the All-Star Game some other time once we fix the issue of people having access to the franchise. But as long as SB 202 is the law of the land, this is voter suppression central. And uh, we need all of our allies to stand up. You know, in 2020, a whole lot of companies made a whole lot of pledges about diversity and equity and inclusion. And now in 2023, they appear to be showing their true colors. But we as the oldest civil rights organization in the country know how to fight back. We've been doing it for 114 years. And we're looking around at our allies saying, where are you in this fight? It's almost as if this conservative chicanery just keeps you guys in business. It does. And, you know, um, hopefully one day we'll work ourselves out of business. But, you know, as many of our you know ancestors said, whether it's Thurgood Marshall or uh, Julian Bond 
uh, we're always in the business of doing what's right when it's time to do it, whether it's in season or out of season, we're going to speak truth to power. And right now, voting rights is on the menu and we're going to make sure we protect it uh, because we don't want to have to continue to say a black vote was suppressed yesterday. Gerald Griggs, Georgia chapter president for the NAACP. Thank you for the time and joining the Ron show today, sir. Thank you, brother Ron. Look forward to talking to you in the future. All right. When we come back, Senator Colton Moore from the Georgia Senate, of course, wanted a special session. Well, we got one, but not the one he wanted. And naturally, he grabbed the mic and reminded folks what an utter dumbass he is. <laughs> we'll have that for you when the Ron Show returns in minutes. Final segment of the Ron Show in just a few here on the America One Radio app, AmericaOneRadio.com, or wherever you podcast. Final segment of the Ron Show for Wednesday. So, watching a lot of the uh, Senate chamber today, the Senate subcommittee even, it, it just seemed like folks were kind of on their best behavior. Even Burt Jones was kind of on his best behavior today. There was real work to be done. There were some conciliatory tones. Obviously, the passing of former First Lady Rosalind Carter weighed on the minds of many. There were moments of silence and prayers. There were uh, motions to uh, show unity with uh, Israel in the face of the attack from Hamas last month, even. <sighs> and then you got Colton Moore, Senator Colton Moore, representing Northwest Georgia. What is it with Northwest Georgia? I know great people up there. In fact, I was trying to talk my uh, ex-sister-in-law into talking her father into maybe maybe he should primary Marjorie Taylor Greene or something. I don't know. It's just yeah, there are There are good people up there but they're represented by Marjorie Taylor Greene and Colton Moore. Colton Moore today. Mr. President, thank you. I tell you what, for the last three months, I've been calling for a special session. The people in Northwest Georgia, they're going to be mighty excited today mm. because we were in a special session. Mr. President, I called for a special session with such intensity that I was booted out of the majority caucus. Mm. Now a free and independent agent sitting in the back. Mr. President, it's very disgruntling to me that I call for a special session for three months and that we come to this special session and the proclamation that the governor has given us does nothing to address the concerns that millions of Georgians have in our current state of affairs. Mm, millions. You see, Mr. President, people in Northwest Georgia, they don't like thieves. And in 2020, people in my district believe the election was stolen. They're upset that the governor took 19 days to certify the election results. And if it takes that long, then how can you protest when other people agree that maybe the election was stolen? Mm. Mr. President, it's one thing to have a difference of opinion of whether an election was stolen or not, but we're in a much darker side of politics now in our state. Because now if you disagree with the political ruling class, you can be held political prisoner. And right now we have a former president and 18 others, even a member of this body, who are facing the rest of their life in prison for questioning an election. Rule of law, right? Mr. President, we have God-given rights, mm. given to us by God. It's protected by the First Amendment. But Mr. President, the biggest constitutional crisis that our country has ever seen 
As the entire world watches our state, we find ourselves in special session and nothing can be done by order of the governor to address these concerns. I was refreshed to hear your pastor, Mr. President, talk about a breath of fresh air because I think this Senate, I think the Georgia legislature has become stagnant. You know, there's no moderation when we rubber stamp things. Mr. President, I pray for this Senate. I pray for this legislature because we are in a dark time in our society and in our state. Mr. President, if there is injustice in a map, while there's been a primal call for a special session, of a Democrat-appointed judge can say special session, and by George, we got one. But Mr. President, if our maps are racist, then let's bring justice to our maps. But let's also bring justice to a stolen election. Mm -hmm. Let's also bring justice to the 19 individuals who are facing the rest of their life in prison. And I yield back, Mr. President. Thank you. By the way, while I was listening to that yokel talk, uh, I did pull up his uh, state Senate map. And I'm thankful, actually, that uh, my former sister-in-law and her family don't live in his district. His district is the extreme northwest Georgia district, tucked between Tennessee and Alabama. No disrespect to my friends in Tennessee or Alabama, but... There you go. It's actually quite lovely up there. Cloudland Canyon is one of my favorite uh, getaways. I, I love to go up there, get a nice hike in, especially after some rainfall. The waterfalls at Cloudland Canyon are breathtaking. Also, the stairs all the way down and all the way back up are quite breathtaking as well. But still, that's what it's about, right? You're supposed to get the hike in. It's good exercise. It's a great place to get a yurt in the fall and stay and check out the colors. Oh, man, it's just stunning up there. That being said, <clears throat> that corner of Northwest Georgia, actually most of Northwest Georgia, when you throw in Marjorie Taylor Greene, underrepresented. Uh, as a matter of fact, Marjorie now has an opponent. Uh, we met him last week on our show. His name is Sean Harris, and uh, I've got that in the show notes at ronshowetl.com from last Tuesday. Do take an opportunity to listen to him and Tell your friends in Northwest Georgia about Sean Harris. And may we find a Democrat to run against Colton Moore, perhaps, between now and next time he's up. Uh, anyway, Marjorie today, not out fundraising, not out campaigning. She doesn't need to do any of that because she does stupid crap like this. The form of the resolution is as follows. Resolution, impeaching Alejandro Nicholas Mayorkas, <laughs> Secretary of Homeland Security for High Crimes and Misdemeanors. Again? Resolve that Alejandro Nicholas Mayorkas, Secretary of Homeland Security, <laughs> is impeached for high crimes and misdemeanors, and that the following articles of impeachment be exhibited to the United States Senate. Articles of impeachment exhibited by the House of Representatives of the United States of America in the name of itself and of the people of the United States of America against Alejandro Nicholas Mayorkas, Secretary of Homeland Security, in maintenance and support of impeachment against him for high crimes and misdemeanors. Mm -hmm. Article 1. 
Rather than adhering to an oath he took to defend and secure our country and uphold the Constitution when he was sworn in as Secretary of Homeland Security, mm -hmm. Alejandro Nicolas Mayorkas has engaged in a pattern of conduct that is incompatible with the laws of the United States as follows. Article 2 of the Constitution requires that the executive branch, which today includes the Secretary of Homeland Security, ensure the laws passed by Congress and signed into law by the President are faithfully executed. The Secure Fence Act of 2006, Public Law 109-367, through 367, requires that the Secretary of Homeland Security maintain operational control over the entire international land and maritime borders of the United States. In his willful admittance of border crossers, terrorists, human traffickers, drugs, and other contraband, Alejandro Nicolas Mayorkas has failed to maintain operational control of the border, thereby violating the Secure Fence Act of 2006. The Guarantee Clause set forth in Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution dictates, the United States shall guarantee to every state in this union a Republican form of government and shall protect each of them against invasion and on application of the legislature or of the executive when the legislature cannot be convened against domestic violence. The Guarantee Clause clearly dictates that the federal government has a constitutional duty and obligation to protect each of the states from invasion. As Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas has violated his oath to uphold this constitutional duty by allowing the invasion of approximately 10 million illegals across our borders. Oh my God, of course she can't <clears throat> say illegal immigrants, she has to use a slur. On the House floor, has to use a slur. Here though is where I go back to voters being underrepresented because all this grandstanding by the Colton Moores and the Marjorie Taylor Greens, both of Northwest Georgia do absolutely nothing to solve problems that their voters believe exist. There is no immigration reform on the table. Republicans want all their way or nothing unwilling to budge in any way, shape, form, or fashion because they have to answer Colton Moore, Marjorie Taylor Greene to a portion of this state and representatives like them to similar electorates that buy into this xenophobic, fear-mongering nonsense about folks who are coming here from other parts of North America, Central America, South America, the Caribbean, and the world, their preferred media entity and pundits and politicians don't want to talk about why folks are fleeing other parts of the world for safer havens or any complicity in U.S. history for those destabilatory situations being what they are in those home countries. They don't want to talk about that. They also don't want fixes. They want to continue to stir the division and the xenophobia to A, keep getting elected, and to B, keep promoting the 
great replacement theory that the Tucker Carlson's and other white nationalists continue to promote unabated. There is a fear. Trust me, I grew up in the suburban slash rural Georgia community. I know there is this fear of being replaced by someone who doesn't look like them or speak even the same language as them. Well, that really freaks them out. Even though most of the world, the first world, has citizens who speak multiple languages. We can't have that in this country. That requires education. And remember, kids, education is a liberal hoax. I remember when I was a kid, Jane Fonda got in a lot of trouble once when she said that there were parts of Georgia that were like a third world country. There are parts of Georgia represented by people who act like they come from a third world country. That's going to do it for The Ron Show. I'll be back here tomorrow, 5 to 6 p.m. on the America One Radio app, americaoneradio.com, or wherever you podcast, show notes, and more at ronshowetl.com. I want to thank Gerald Griggs, Georgia NAACP Chapter President, for joining me. I look forward to joining you here again next time. Have a good one.